And it's so good to have my mom and dad here this morning, and I appreciate them, and I'm thankful that uh, they're here in the service this morning, and uh, remember them in prayer if you would. And uh, also, uh, I want to mention uh, something I wanted to mention this morning, uh, just prior to the message, Well, but I'll make mention of it maybe at the close. But I, the Lord laid this past scripture on my heart uh, early uh, part of last week, and uh, I feel like God would have me to preach. And so you pray this morning that God will speak to hearts. Matthew chapter 8, if you're able to stand with us in reverence to the Word of God in prayer, if you're not able to understand that, Matthew chapter number 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leopard and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Father, we bow in your presence this morning once again. Lord, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we come in Jesus' name. Oh God, this morning we love you because you first loved us. Lord, I realize that within us dwelleth no good thing, that all of our righteousness is filthy rags, just like this old leper. God, that's exactly who we were and what we were and what we are outside the grace of God. I pray this morning that you will touch the message and the messenger. I pray the Holy Spirit would take the word of God, draw men to the foot of the cross, save the lost and reclaim the backslid. God, when we leave, I pray that every one of us will know we've been in the presence of the Lord this morning. God, we thank you and we ask all these things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to draw your attention to verse number 1 here. And in this verse of Scripture, I notice the man in our text. The Bible says, and when he was come. And this man is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I see the mountain, as the Bible says, that Christ is coming down from this mountain. And there's a purpose. And Jesus says, just like every other man, Jesus had mountains in life that he had to climb, but now he's on the other side of this mountain coming down. And then I see the multitudes, as uh, the Bible said, that great multitudes followed him. And what a movement Christ uh, had as he was preaching and teaching and as he was uh, healing folks. And as Christ had his earthly ministry here, he not only moved multitudes, but he moved the heart of me. And when I think about verse number one this morning, uh, the greatest thing in verse number one is not the mountain and it's not the multitudes and it's not this movement that is taking place. But the greatest thing in verse number one is the man. Isn't that right? If you take Jesus out of verse number one, then the mountain and the multitudes and the movement means absolutely nothing. And I say that because we're living in a time uh, when there are great multitudes and there are great movements uh, and there's great mountains of religion that is forming. Uh, But without Jesus, amen, it doesn't mean anything. And what I see in verse number one is this man is none other than the Savior. Amen. What makes Jesus so different than all the other men in this multitude uh, is that Christ is the man of salvation. And I preached last Sunday on the meaning of salvation. And with the help of God, I want to preach this morning on this subject on the man of salvation. 
salvation. Amen? The man of salvation. Notice with me in verse number two here, I see a leopard. As the Bible says, and behold, there came a leopard and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, you might be here today and say, Brother Gravely, why is this leopard so important? This leopard is important because he's a picture of every sinner. Amen? He's a picture of me, and he is a picture of you. When I think about this leper this morning, he was distant from others. Uh, He had been alienated. He had been put without the camp. Uh, And my friend, he had been named unclean. Uh, This leper was not only distant, but he was diseased. Uh, He had a disease that was running through his body, that was flowing in his veins. Uh, This was a disease of corruption, a lot like sin. Amen? And my friend, this leopard was dying. The disease that ran through his body was destroying his flesh. It was destroying his life. Is that not what sin does to every one of us? Friend, sin will destroy your life. When I think about this leper this morning and I see how that he was so distant, he was so diseased and he was so dying. But yet I see in verse number two his desperation, that he was desperate. He comes to Jesus, the Bible says, worshiping. And he said he came, a, behold, there came a leopard, notice this, worshiping him. You know, if a lost man was to worship God, many of the religious crowd would say, well, he has no right to worship God. But I want to tell you something, a lost person may not understand worship, but yet he has every much of a right to worship the God that created him and the God that died for him as what I do or what you do. We may understand our worship because we are saved. But there's one thing you'll know in the life of Christ. He never turned anybody away from worshiping him. You know why? Because worship doesn't have anything to do with me being worthy or unworthy. It has everything to do with him being worthy. Amen. And Jesus even let leopards worship him. And friend, if Jesus will let a leper worship him, then that means there's hope for me and there's hope for you this morning. Amen. I see that he was worshiping. I see not only was he worshiping, but I see this leopard was wanting. Amen. He comes to Jesus wanting something. Now what does he want? He doesn't want money. He doesn't want materialistic things, but he wants to be cleansed. Amen. He came and he worshiped him and he said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Amen. Can I tell you this morning, if you'll learn how to worship God, you'll get a lot of your wants and wishes and desires uh, granted a whole lot quicker. Amen. Many times we treat God like a Santa Claus uh, always asking uh, but never worshiping. Amen. The Bible said in Matthew chapter number 6, he said after this manner therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Do you know what that is? Uh, That is worship. Amen. He said thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's you Amen. And then he said, give us this day our daily bread. I want to tell you something. Jesus laid a pattern out and he said, if you'll start with worshiping in prayer and then if you'll, if you'll then uh, yield to God in prayer, then you can ask God and your prayers can be answered. Amen. And that's exactly what this leopard is doing. He is coming to God worshiping. And the reason he is worshiping is because he is wanting. Amen. Now, if you want to know why people don't worship God in our churches like they used to, it's because they're rich, increased with goods, 
and have need of nothing. A man that doesn't need anything doesn't have any true desire to worship. But a man that realizes how weak and how wanting he really is, he'll turn to his creator almost every time when he realizes that. I want to tell you something after being saved for 30 years. I still realize this morning that I need God as much in my life today as I've ever needed Him. I'm telling you, time has not changed that. Blessings has not changed that. I know where the acorns are coming from. I know the hand that's feeding me. I know the hand that's protecting me. And I want Him as much this morning, Brother Lamar, as I've ever wanted Him in all of my life. Amen. I need God, amen. And this leopard is worshiping, and this leopard is wanting, but I see this leopard is willing, amen. He said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. But I want to say something about verse 2. He was willing to come to Jesus, and that has everything to do with why Jesus was willing to cleanse him. You see, this morning, the God that would save you will not save you unless you're first willing to be saved. He will not force himself on nobody. He will not make nobody be sane. God is not going to storm the door of your heart and arrest your soul and bring you into salvation. No, he'll gently stand at the door and knock and you've got to willingly open your heart and allow him to come in. Salvation is a choice, friend, that every person must make within themselves. That's why I'm not a Calvinist, amen? I believe in the free will of man. I believe that man's got a conscience, man's got a choice and when man is under conviction he will be enlightened and will realize his need for salvation and he can make the choice to choose Christ or to reject him and so we see this leper but secondly in verse number two I want you to see the Lord amen notice Jesus has something to say isn't it interesting in verse number two that this leopard called Jesus Lord amen do you know that everybody ever got saved in the Bible called him Lord Amen. Uh, you can call it what you want to. I'm not. A, I, listen, I'm not a. I'm not even a. I'm not a hyper Calvinist. I'm not a Calvinist, and I'm not even easy believism this morning. I just believe the Bible about salvation. I believe repentance and faith. It takes both of them to be sane. And every time a man tries to separate one and lean harder on the other, he gets himself in trouble every single time. Both of them are a work of the heart and a work of the Holy Ghost. And I am not intelligent enough, nor is anybody else for that matter, to try to separate one. That is a sovereign work of God that works in the heart of every sinner. I didn't know the word repentance or the word faith the day that I got saved. But both of them was alive in my heart. Because it was a work between me and the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. When I think about the Lord, He comes to Jesus. Notice what Jesus does in verse number three. I see, first of all, that He touched Him. Jesus put forth His hand and touched Him. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to us this morning, but if you was a leopard, it would mean a whole lot to you. For the very thing that no one would do to a leopard is touch them for fear that they would get what they had. Even their closest loved ones and family and friends would not touch them for fear that that dreaded disease would be transferred from them to another. And so this man was not used to people touching him. What courage and what compassion of our Savior to reach out in spite of this man's flesh, in spite of his disease, and in spite of his sin. 
sin. He reached out and he touched him. Amen. I like that song, Brother Danny, you sing. Somebody touched me. Amen. What about someone so holy touching someone that's so unholy? What about someone that's so clean reaching out and touching someone that's unclean? Don't you know this surprised the crowd that day when the first response of Jesus was that he reached out and he touched him. Hey, can I tell you something, friend? Religion will never touch you. Listen, reformation will never touch you. But old time salvation will reach beyond the unholy. It'll reach beyond the flesh. It'll get down in the inner chambers of a man's heart and it'll touch him and make him clean. Amen. And so I see the Lord touched him. Wasn't it a great day in your life when God touched you? Don't you rejoice in his touch this morning? I tell you something, I need him to touch me this morning just like he has in days gone by. I like it when God reaches down and touches a song. I like it when he reaches down and touches a sermon. I like it when he reaches down and touches a service. And I like it when he reaches down and he touches a sinner. Amen. Well, I'm telling you this morning, wouldn't it be grand and glorious if God reached down in this invitation and touched some old sinner and saved them just like he did this man today. Amen. And so the Lord touched him. Secondly, I see that he talked to him. Notice what Jesus does in verse number three. Jesus has something he wants to say. Now, Jesus could have said it without ever touching him, couldn't he? Amen. But you know what Jesus does? He goes over to this leopard. That means he had to get close enough. Amen. He gets close to this leopard and he reaches out and he touches him. And now he wants to say something. I kindly believe that touch was for two purposes. I believe number one, it was to get the attention of this leopard and let him know that he had Jesus' attention. Amen. And then secondly, I believe it was to get the attention of all those that were standing by and to show them that there's no sin too big enough. There's no sinner too sorry enough that what Jesus is not willing to go to where they're at and to reach out and to touch them. Amen. This was a touch of compassion. And as he touches him, he says the kindest words that this man has ever heard. Jesus says, I will. <laughs> Woo! Cause the sinner said, the leper said to the Lord, if you will, you could make me clean. And Jesus walks over to him, puts his hand on him, and he says, I will. Can I tell you something this morning? Anybody that ever come to Jesus Amen. worshiping and ever come to him wanting and ever said, Lord, if you will, Jesus is always willing to those who are willing. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, he said, I will. And he takes it a step further. He says, be thou clean. Amen. Can I tell you something? I see not only the leopard. I see not only the Lord, but I see the leprosy. Amen. This leprosy is a type of sin. Here's a man that is destined without any hope. But when Jesus puts his hand on him and when Jesus says, I will be thou clean, notice my friend that he changes him immediately. Amen. 
What does the Bible say in verse number three? And immediately, amen. Can I tell you something about salvation? It's not a 12-step process. It's not a seven-step process. Listen, it's not, listen, you didn't get an installation, you didn't get an installment book when you got saved. You got a receipt that was stamped, paid in full in the moment of salvation. There's an immediate transformation. There's a change that takes place on the inside, amen. You see, the leprosy that man could see on the outside, the sores, the pus, the corruption, that is only a result of what was taking place on the inside. A doctor could probably put something on that, could cleanse it to some level. He could cleanse some of the outwardness. He may put some salve, and momentarily it may patch up and heal. But I'm going to tell you something. The problem was deeper than what man can see. It was in the bloodstream of this leopard. He had a disease that lied within him that was too deep for the doctors to take care of. Salvation, my friend, will do what religion cannot do. It may look, make you look good on the outside. It may pat you up for a little while but my friend you've got to have a blood transfusion you've got to have something on the inside this man's blood was contaminated and when Jesus touched him immediately every molecule every cell in this man's body that was contaminated with this dreaded disease all of a sudden it was purified it was cleansed from within and without amen and there was an immediate change and I'll tell you that takes place in every person's heart. And I see this morning, not only do I see today, this morning, uh, that this leprosy was changed, but it was cleansed. The Bible says that he was cleansed. When I think about the man of salvation this morning, I said last week that when we consider the meaning of salvation, it has to do with two things. The need of salvation, and then secondly, the ability and the willingness of the one that is saving. When I think about our text this morning, it's clear that in verse number two, this man understands his need. He comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. But my friend, the question this morning, is the man willing and is the man able to say? Well, verse number three answers that. Jesus says, I will. And so we know that this man of salvation is willing. And then he says, be thou clean. And that shows his ability. As we mentioned last week, not ever everybody that is willing is able and not everybody that is able is willing but I want to tell you Jesus in verse number 3 he's both willing and he's both able to cleanse all that will come to him you say brother Gravely, what are you saying I'm saying sinner this morning don't die lost in your sin don't live a wicked life you say but preacher I'm too far gone I'm telling you friend you're never too far gone if you're willing to come by way of the cross and the shed blood of Calvary if you're willing to repent and believe the gospel. If you're willing to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God is willing to save you this morning. He's not only willing, but he's able. Verse number four this morning, I see that in this text today, I see the humility of this man. As the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man. When I think about the man of salvation this morning, the first thing that verse 4 tells me about him is that he was humble. Jesus, the Bible said, made himself of no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. 
And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What humility Christ put on display. To be robed in, in flesh to become a man, to lower himself. The Bible said in Hebrews 2 and verse 9 that we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Jesus was a humble servant of God and we that are saved ought to be clothed in the same humility as our Lord was clothed in. This morning, if you're saved, you ought to thank God you're saved. We're not saved because we deserve it. We're not saved because we earned it. Salvation is a privilege and not a right. God could have let every one of us went to hell and he has still been God. You tell me one good reason why you, be, you and I should be born in America, hear the gospel, and have an opportunity to be saved. Brother, when two-thirds of this world has never heard a clear presentation of the gospel, why in the world would God allow us to hear the truth? and be saved. That ought to motivate us to witness to everybody we come in contact with. We ought to tell everybody about Jesus. Amen. We should never think of ourselves any better than anyone else. Don't ever look at a sinner and say, I don't understand why they do the things that they do. I can tell you why they're doing the things they're doing. Because they're lost. Because they're blind. You may not understand it because you've forgotten what you used to be and where God found you from. But the truth of the matter is, Brother Barnes, had he not saved me, had he not rescued me, I'd be just like the rest of them. I'd be blinded in my own sin, going my own way, living my own life. It's only by the grace and the mercy and the love and the kindness of God that I'm even in church this morning. There's no telling where you'd be at had not grace come by your way, had truth not picked you up, had God not found you. No telling where you'd be living, no telling the things you'd be doing. Some of you'd be dead and in hell right now. But aren't you thankful that one day God let you hear the gospel. One day the sweet Holy Ghost knocked on your heart and brought you to an altar of repentance and salvation. Hey, I'm here to tell you, oh, thank God for old time salvation this morning. And you know what it ought to do for us? It should never cause us to stick out our chest or look down our pharisaical nose at anybody. It ought to humble us this morning. God's not impressed with my list. He's not impressed with my accomplishments. The only thing that impresses God is Jesus. <laughs> God's only impressed with Jesus. And the only reason God looks on me is because of Jesus. And the only reason God's pleased with me is because Jesus lives in me. I can't do anything to make me him love me anymore and I can't do anything to make him love me any less and it humbles me this morning to realize uh, had he not found me no telling what I'd be doing or where I'd be at but when I think about Jesus this morning I think about his humility he was humble and then I see that he was helpful notice what he said to this man see thou tell no man but go thy way you know what Jesus did for this man after he saved him he put him on his way. 
And can I tell you what Jesus does when he saves us? He puts us on his way. When Jesus said, go thy way, it wasn't any way. But he knew because of the change and the cleansing that had taken place inside this man's heart that he wouldn't go the same way that he had been going. You say, how do you know that? Because the way he was living was in a leopard colony. The way that he was living was around a sinful crowd that was full of corruption. Where he was living, there was no hope. This man, my friend, was destined to die. But now Jesus said, you can go your way, which is another way. This man didn't go in the same direction. He didn't go back to that leopard colony and take up the old life and start living with those leopards? No. You know what he did? He turned and went in another direction. Thank God. And he had a story to tell. All that he came in contact with. Boy, isn't that like the Lord when he saves us? He helps us. Amen. He puts us in another way. He doesn't send us back to the same crowd. He doesn't send us back to the same lifestyle. We don't live and do the same way we used to. Oh no, friend. When God saves you, this man of salvation, he'll put you on another way. Hallelujah. Now you can believe what you want to, but I believe the Bible this morning. And this crowd that says they're saved and they're still living like the devil and there's no chastisement in their life, I don't care what they say, they don't have the same salvation this Bible talks about. Amen. Say, Brother Gravity, don't you believe somebody can backslide? I sure do, but some people's never slid forward. Amen. Can I, can I get a witness right there? Brother, salvation will make a change in your life. And if you're truly saved, you'll not continue in sins what the Bible says. I'm not preaching a work salvation. I believe a man can backslide, but I believe the Bible teaches that the chastening hand of God will be be relevant in his life. He will not be happy. He will be miserable. And this crowd that claims to be saved and they love their sin and there's no chastisement. Hey, the Bible said they went out from us because they were not of us. Amen. They don't have the Holy Ghost living on the inside. Now, Brother George, I don't care if they come to the altar and they cry crocodile tears. I don't care if they shout all across the front. I don't care, listen, what they say. If there's never been a change, then they've never been born again. Now, none of us have lived a perfect life, and you know that. But I want to. Amen. You know how I know I'm saved? Because I'm not, I'm not living in perfection, but I want to. Amen. I'm not living sinless, but I sure want to. And before I got saved, I didn't care. I wanted to live a life of sin. I wanted to live in sin. But it's amazing how after you get saved, the sin you once loved, all of a sudden it grieves you. You know why it grieves you? Because it grieves God. And if God lives inside you, it'll grieve you when you sin. Amen? But I'm telling you, those who are never grieved by sin, they've never been saved. I see that this man of salvation is humble. I see that he is helpful. But I see also he is holy. Notice what he told him. He said, go show thyself to the priest. You know what? salvation will do for you. It'll always send you back to the preacher. Amen. And the preacher's not a pope. He can't forgive you of your sins. But I tell you what that priest could do when he come in. He could announce that man had been cleansed. Amen. He could tell there was a difference on the inside. If he went to the priest, you know where he had to go to? He had to go to the temple. Amen. You know where you found the priest at? You found him down there at the house of God. And when a man gets cleansed, guess what? He'll find a preacher. He'll find a church to hook up with. He'll find a crowd, amen, that's been cleansed. Hey, when he got down there at the temple, guess what? He found out a whole lot of people down there that was worshiping. Amen. He found out the word of God was down there at the temple. Amen. Jesus always hooks up with the church. He always hooks up with the word 
word of God. He always hooks up with that man and Jesus sent him in the right direction. He said, go show yourself to the priest. You know why? Because my friend, that was God's order in that day and time. It was God's place. It was God's man. And can I tell you this morning, Christ is holy and those that he touched, he will make holy. Amen. Now there's two kinds of sanctification. There's positional sanctification and there's progressive. And don't ever let anybody uh, change your mind about what the Bible teaches concerning that. There is a positional sanctification and that's God's responsibility to man. I can never make myself holy enough. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can make me holy enough and fit for salvation. Is that true this morning? So when it comes to salvation, all of my righteousness is filthy rags in view of salvation. But there's another sanctification and that's progressive sanctification. And that's not the responsibility of God. That's the responsibility of man. That he that hath made, made you holy, he said, be ye holy for I am holy. Why would God tell me to be something that would be impossible for me to be? So how am I supposed to be holy? He said in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the Spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How do I do that? By trying to live a separated life, by living in the Scriptures, by, by living and yielding my life to God, by daily confession and repentance of sins. These are the responsibility of man. And when a person gets saved, they have a desire to live that kind of life. When God saves somebody, they don't digress into sin. They come out of sin. This morning, you ought to ask yourself this question. If you're truly saved, this morning, have you ever come out of the graveyard? Because when God saves you, He delivers you from the dead works of sin. I see that this man was humble. This man was holy. This man was, this man was helpful. But then I close with this thought this morning. This man was honorable. Notice what he says here. Go show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded. Notice this. For a testimony unto them. You know why Jesus told that man to do that? Number one, because that's the right thing, the honorable thing to do. It was to fulfill the law of Moses and what the Bible. You know, Christ will never go against his word. He didn't say, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And the, the Jesus of this Bible will never contradict this Bible. So when people preach another Jesus that contradicts the, the Jesus of this Bible, rest assured, they're not preaching the same Jesus that we're preaching. Amen. But secondly, Jesus did this because when that leopard came in, that was a messianic miracle. Meaning that in the Old Testament... It was prophesied that when Messiah would come, one of the things that Messiah would be able to do is he would be able to cleanse a leopard. And when that man walked in the temple, Jesus said, I want you to go offer up the gift of Moses for a testimony unto them. When that man walked in that temple, no doubt he had already been pronounced by that very priest that he was unclean. The priest had inspected him and saw the leprosy and he said, you're unclean. Go, go without the camp. And live, and he lived without the camp. But here this man walks into the same temple to the same priest that had pronounced him unclean. And I can see that priest standing there probably just like another day. But this man comes walking down that aisle, walks up to that priest. 
I don't know where his leprosy was at. Maybe it was on his face. Maybe it was on his arm. But it was someplace visible. He goes and shows himself to the priest. When he showed himself to the priest, you know what the priest had to do? He had to inspect every aspect of this man. He couldn't just look at one spot, Brother David, and say he was cleansed. But he had to look at him from head to toe. I can see that priest. Uh, he's looking at him from head to toe, from top to bottom. He's looking all over. Man, he can't find one speck of leprosy on this man. Here's a guy that was ate up with it. Here's a guy that had a death warrant on him. But now all of a sudden, his leprosy is gone. There's not one scar. There's not one mark. There's not one shred of evidence that this man ever had this dreaded disease. He looked at that man and he asked him that question that every priest would have asked a leopard in that day. He said, what happened to you? He said, well, he said, I met a man and said, I went to him and I said, if you'd be willing, I believe by faith you can make me clean. And he said, he touched me. He cleansed me. And I can see that priest. It's running through his mind. Only Messiah can cleanse a leopard. And he said, who touched you? And when that man said Jesus, that priest knew exactly who Jesus was. He was Messiah. He's Savior. He's the man of salvation. And can I say to you this morning, the same Jesus that touched this man is the same Jesus that can touch every man. The same Jesus that delivered him is the same Jesus that will deliver you this morning. You say, preacher, I'm sick and tired of my sin. Don't you think he was? I'm tired of living the life that I'm living and doing the things I'm doing. I want more out of life than what life has to offer. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you'll come to Jesus, and if you'll bow at his feet, and if you'll worship, and if you'll come wanting, and if you'll come in faith and say, oh God, would you cleanse me? Would you deliver me? Would you save me? I want to tell you this morning, he will. He'll do for you what he did for this man. You say, how do you know that? Because he's the man of salvation this morning. I wonder as we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, Christians are praying. I wonder who in this building this morning needs to be touched. I wonder who in this building, you need your life to change immediately. You've tried it with yourself, you've tried religion, you've tried everything else. And you're no better off than you was before. I wonder who this morning, wouldn't you like to be different? from within wouldn't you like for God to change you from within this morning there's so many people sitting in churches today and there's no difference in their life every one of us know people that go to church and they live just like sinners live they may, they may wear a suit on Sunday or a nice dress on Sunday but when they walk out them doors there's no difference in their life they live just like everybody else there's no desire there's no change but we know other people this morning when you look at them you don't have to question whether or not they got the real thing. What about you this morning? Brother David's going to sing, and as he sings this morning, if you're here and you're lost, I want to invite you to come to this altar and be saved. The first step is being honest with yourself. That's what this leper had to do, and that's what you have to do. What are we going to sing, Brother David? Bring